0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download.
1: This is your icebreaker. These two elderly ladies were uh, having tea together, and one of them said, you know, I bought those um, two female parrots. She said, yes, so they started talking. She said, talk? It's terrible, she said. All they say is, hi, we're a couple of hookers. We'll do anything. She said, oh, I wonder what we can do about that. They meet up again the following week, and she said, I've been talking to the vicar, and he's got grey parrots, two males, and all they do, apparently, is pray. What about you take your two birds round, and if they're praying parrots, as he says, then, uh, you know, it might bring about some change. So they arrange it, and they take them round. She's got her two parrots, and uh, takes the cloth off the cage, and they immediately go, Hi, we're a couple of hookers, we'll do anything. And so one of the male parrots, he looks to his mate,
0: and he said, Fred? I think all our prayers have been answered. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico
2: Galliano, and from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you to win your next dinner party.
0: Our icebreaker this week came from Gary Brooker, founder and frontman of the band Procol Harum. Of whiter shade of pale fame. In this case, bluer shade of pale. (laughs) And coming up, actress Sally Hawkins, bearded ski masks, intuitive soda machines, fake fossils, Chinese Thanksgiving, and an ADD DJ. But first,
2: time for small talk.
0: So, Rico, this week the headlines traveled back in time. That's exciting. I thought you'd like that. Go, tell me. All right, first stop, the early days of American democracy. Lisa Murkowski remains senator of Alaska thanks to... Write-in votes. It's amazing. Despite all the advances in voting technology, voters remember how to write is sort of startling. <laughs> Gives me a hand cramp thinking about it. Yeah. Next, we go back to <laughs> medieval times. Prince William and Kate Middleton got engaged. Yes. And then we go back to the beginning of time. Wow. Breaking news: Scientists this week created antimatter. Is that old?
2: It's, it's the oldest. It's the, I thought that's what Klingons used to blow up planets.
0: <laughs> that, you would think that, but it's actually the stuff that they think fought matter when the universe was formed. Around Queen Elizabeth's birthday, while we're on the subject of monarchy. And the time of that Star Trek reference. Touché.
2: Uh, <laughs> for some more anti-headlines, we turn to our
0: colleagues at Marketplace. Delasi Michalis, web developer for Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, these six poker buddies in Texas wanted to start a company and they threw out a bunch of ideas. The one they decided to go with was ski masks with beards. Wait, what are they? They're basically ski masks with beards attached to them. So you look like uh, Santa Claus or ZZ Top or Saddam Hussein post capture. (laughs) And how's the business doing? It's doing really well. They sold out their first production run of 10,000 and they're producing more. I didn't realize there were so many like kidnappers and robbers who wanted to stand out and have a little style. George Judson, managing editor, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? I'm going to talk about vending machines that can see you coming. Re- from where? Well, in Japan, they've come up with a vending machine that has facial recognition. It can see who you are, what kind of person you are, and then it recommends what drink you should have.
2: So like, if, you're, if, you, lo- <laughs> if you look like a drunk, it'll tell you to have a beer? Exactly. If you're, does it have a different voice depending on what it thinks you are? Like if you're an old person with a hearing aid, is it like,
0: prune juice? Nancy Fargali, editor at Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend?
3: New York City is running a contest to find its taxi of the future and they pick three finalists and one of the finalists is from Turkey.
0: I didn't realize Turkey made cars.
3: They do and the coolest thing about this taxi, it has a sunroof so you can look up and see the skyline.
0: That sounds nice, but for a future cab, I just want it to have a functioning air conditioner, I want it to not cost a lot of money, and I want to be able to avoid traffic. Do they have some way of doing that?
3: It's called the subway.
0: And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a succulent plant that stores booze instead of water. Succulent indeed. Yeah, that's what you (laughs) want to find if you're lost in the desert. First, the history. This week, back in 1953, a fossilized skull known as Piltdown Man made headlines.
2: Most folks at your dinner party won't know why. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi, you're about to.
3: Charles Dawson was either a liar or a chump. See, Dawson was the most famous fossil collector in England, and in 1910, a worker in the village of Piltdown gave him a bone. It had been found in a gravel pit. Dawson dug there himself and found more bones, which fit together into a weird skull. The teeth and cranium looked human, but the jaw was like a chimp's. Dawson said he'd found anthropology's holy grail, the missing link, an ape man half a million years old. Experts from the British Museum agreed it was the find of the century. Soon, anthropology textbooks listed a new species, Eoanthropus dawsoni, Dawson's dawn man. Or rather, they did, until 1953. That's when a new test revealed the skull was just 600 years old. It had been stained to look older. The jaw came from an ape. Someone had filed down the teeth so they looked human. Piltdown Man was a hoax. The prime suspect, Dawson. But he never had to defend himself. He died in 1916. Since then, 38 more of his fossils have turned out to be fake.
0: So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Ryan Chaitiowardna. He is a bartender at 69 Colebrook Row in London. Ryan, what cocktail did it inspire you to make?
1: Uh, when we heard the history, we kind of got thinking about a bottle that we had had lurking in the back of the bar for some time that we'd inherited off the previous owners. It kind of seemed like a cross between a brandy and a whiskey, and we couldn't quite place it. It seemed a bit of a missing link. Really? So we stuck it through a vacuum still and made a spirit out of it, made a white spirit, it's close to like a Pisco. It's kind of like a spicy brandy.
0: Almost feels a little hoax-like, Ryan, to be honest.
1: It's, <laughs> uh, one of those ones is almost too good to be true, really, isn't it?
0: So you've created a Missing Link drink with your Missing Link Pisco spirit. What is it called? Uh, we're going to call it the Piltdown Daisy. What's a daisy? It's similar to a sour. Okay. So we're going to use 60 mils of uh, Pisco,
1: mm-hmm. 15 mils of lemon juice, okay, 10 mils of lime juice. Okay. Fifteen mils of sugar syrup, mint leaves, and add a dash of soda.
0: So you guys sound like you're you're a very serious cocktail establishment there. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe you can help me with this cocktail hoax where people think that you should pair gin with vermouth for a martini. <laughs> Who needs the vermouth? That's like a baboon meets man situation, don't you think? Uh, I actually think gin and vermouth have a beautiful harmony together. All right. Well, you guys have been fooled before over there. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: Brendan. I admit I also like a little vermouth in my martini.
0: See, I, I like it in my martini glass, so then I like to throw it right out. I, that's <laughs> totally legitimate.
2: But here's the thing I really like about that bartender, actually, uh-huh. is that he just gave me hope that I'll find a use for the bottle of Mad Dog a guy left in my fridge after a party. I think it was 1997.
0: <laughs> that could actually be the missing link. What? People on Mad Dog. That's true. <laughs> They can bear, they can sort
2: of walk upright.
0: Folks, we're trying to um, evolve the species. You can start by going to our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.org.
2: Our guest of honor this week is Sally Hawkins. She won a Golden Globe for her starring role in Mike Lee's film Happy Go Lucky. She's on Broadway in a production of Shaw's Mrs. Warren's Profession and she stars in Made in Dagenham, which opens in US screens this week. Sally, welcome.
4: Hello, hello, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for talking to me.
2: (laughs) So this movie is about a group of British auto workers in the 60s who paved the way for equal pay for women. My first question as I was watching this was, how have I never heard of this before? They were sort of, they set the tone internationally for this issue.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't know about it. Not many people do. But it needs to be told. For example, the Equal Pay Act of 1970 in the UK, that came about very directly because of these women.
2: We should say, by the way, this is, uh, inevitably this conversation is going to get political, but it's a pretty fun movie. Oh, I hope so. That said... I'm watching this pro-labor kind of feminist film from my point of view in the year 2010. You've got conservatism now sweeping the last election in the UK, also in the United States. Is this more of a nostalgic look back or is it really a call to arms?
4: I would love it to be a call to arms. (laughs) I'm probably flattering. The film, and, but, but you would hope that it's on a similar level. You know, like Milk, that was so inspirational. The film. Yeah, the film. And also the product is...
2: Milk is inspirational. It,
4: it, it is a generally inspirational product. But,
2: but Harvey Milk
4: also. Yeah, Harvey Milk. And that film was brilliant and brought up a lot of debate and things that we should still talk about. I mean... I think it's interesting now that in the US, things are still being pushed forward in Congress, sort of redressing the Equal Pay Act. That's still happening.
2: You actually went and met these women that you're portraying. Are they as brassy ladies as they are portrayed on, on screen?
4: Absolutely, they're brilliant. They were very funny. What I loved about this is the fact that they weren't particularly impressed by the fact that we were making a film. Just how they weren't particularly impressed by the political world and by the men that ruled that world. And I love that. When you treat a highly, could be highly serious, world with a touch of humour, it actually probably um, has more effect. Than anything else. Yeah,
2: people, they want you to win.
4: Because you're human. Yeah.
2: We have two questions that we ask everybody on this show. The first one is, if we were to be seated next to you at a dinner party, what question would you like not to be asked?
4: I don't know. I I, I don't think I'm that mean. I, I'm... You don't seem it, I must say. Oh, gosh. I would Maybe who are you or... You know, are people still asking who are you really in England? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think I'd be grateful that they asked me a question. I've been at many a dinner party when I've been just playing with my fork and... Uh, right,
2: I think that's rather humble of you, Golden well, Globe winner Sally Hawkins,
4: but... Well,
2: yeah. Our second question is, tell us something we don't know. And this can either be about yourself or a piece of trivia that will blow people's minds at a
4: dinner party. I've got one. Well, you know, crows have the intelligence of a small child. What? (laughs) Yes. They are phenomenally intelligent. Crows? Crows, yeah. I saw this amazing documentary on PBS. I mean, I, I didn't sleep because of it. I mean, the crows, they can recognize faces from years ago that put them in danger. And not only that, but they were able to communicate to other crows in the pack so that crows that hadn't seen this face were able to recognize it. And then... Not only that, to pass that information from generation to generation.
2: So we shouldn't really be worrying about terrorism so much as crows.
4: crows will take over the world.
0: So wait, is that why scarecrows don't have faces? (laughs) So crows won't recognize them? (laughs) It's a good point. They can recognize human faces,
2: but they apparently can't recognize humans. So we're safe.
0: Yeah, except from scarecrows.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) With their flannel Uh, shirts and... Folks Um, pay faces run for your lives to our Facebook page it's facebook.com slash dinner party download so we heard from our guest of honor now it's time for the main course the part of the show where we learn about food it's Chinatown Rico what a,
0: uh, sure is. <laughs> Just wanted to say that line. Finally saw the movie after living in L.A. for oh, years. That is not something you want to admit <laughs> on it's, a pop it, culture radio show. An amazing, amazing film. So anyway, if you find yourself walking through Chinatown next week, you might notice that the ducks in the windows are humongous. Like crazy. like Why? Because they're turkeys. Oh. As in rejected ducks? As in actual turkeys, Chinese barbecue turkeys. They show up this time of year. They're like Peking duck. You know, they have crispy skin, they're flavored with Chinese five-spice. And you
2: wanted to taste some, so you decided to do a story about it. Exactly. Yeah. It's
0: called journalism. I agree. (laughs) So I met up with George Wu, who's head of the local business council there, and he took me to Hop Wu, a restaurant, and the chef there, Lupe Lang, prepared us turkey in a lot of ways. We had... Chinese turkey salad with lettuce. Chinese turkey salad with lettuce. Mushu turkey.
2: Mushu turkey. It was an exhaustive investigation, is what you're
1: saying. (laughs) There was a lot. It's a turkey lettuce wrap. Turkey noodle soup. One more. It's an orange peel turkey.
0: All right, this turkey looks exquisite, and I can't wait to taste some of it myself, but... You know, turkeys aren't as fatty and delicious as duck or as, as other poultry. So was the inspiration, was it like business savvy of this is the emptiest day of the year for us or was it more like, I think this could be a fun collision of food culture? Most Chinese restaurants and chefs are much more pragmatic. So it, it is from a
1: business perspective. And also growing up, we didn't think too much of the American-style turkey.
0: Growing up, I didn't think too much of it. Okay, okay. Um, the Chinese style of
1: cooking the turkey definitely retains the juices and infuses more you know, natural flavorings than what I had when I first came over in the States. So how did this start? In the late 70s, the original Samu restaurant which pretty much popularized the Chinese barbecue, made his first turkey. And since then, the different chefs have produced their own version of the Thanksgiving holiday turkey.
0: Are there turkeys in China?
1: My first turkey was here. Um, we never saw, you know, a, a, a big chicken before. And it sure didn't taste as good as chicken.
0: What does he eat on Thanks?
1: What do you eat on Thanksgiving? ma right? <laughs> As as with any good Chinese business person, he's open next Thursday. So his Thanksgiving with the family is this, and he eats it on Wednesday.
0: All right, it's the moment of truth. You know, even if I like this better than my mom's turkey, I'm gonna have to lie. It's gonna be another part of that. It's really moist. It's really succulent. Mm. There's like an anise, that undertone to it. Amazing. Um, is there is there an equivalent holiday in China to to Thanksgiving?
1: Yes the moon festival we've always yeah. thought that was because that's the you know how Thanksgiving everybody's supposed to come if you're anywhere near home you better be home for dinner yeah. and to me the, the moon festival with um, the mid-autumn festival when you eat moon cakes that's the Chinese version of that.
0: Right. And do people just sit around and watch football afterwards? <laughs> no you go out and look at the moon. I passed out and looked up at the moon. That is so charming. They got, they were so kind. I, that's, I was there for hours eating because I didn't want them to feel bad. <laughs> did you, did you get like
2: a turkey fortune cookie for dessert? Like
0: <laughs> so much turkey. Exactly. Yeah, I opened it up and it said, "You will be eating turkey leftovers <laughs> for the next five weeks." Surprise. <laughs> and that's the dinner party download for this week, folks. Special thanks to Jackson Musker, and we leave you with one for the road—a song to listen to on your way to or returning from. This weekend's dinner party.
2: Girl Talk, the world's premier mashup artist, just released a new one. It's called All Day. Here is a portion of the track, On and On. You can download the album for free at illegalart.net. Legally. Go wrap your mind
0: around that. Bon appetit. Oh, uh, come
4: on.
1: I go on and on and on. I uh, we'll to the crib. I left the bone in. Uh, easy. Call him on the phone. and am black. I'm cologne. And. I stay. Dressed. To impress. Spark a bit of interest. All I expect cause they rock TV intellect They know, they know, quarter past four Left the club tips, say no more Except how I'm getting home tomorrow She's a drop you off when you see me home Back in my mind, I hope she swallows Man, she took drink on my pre-wallows Reached the gate, honey just ate Riffin', she got to be to work by eight. This must mean she ain't tryin' to wake Conversate, sex on the first date I stay, you know what you do to me but I don't usually Then I it out Rubber no doubt Step out Show me what
0: you all about mouth Open Bring the And I stop I'm Rico Galliano, And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan Run for it It's the crow I threatened In the parking lot Quick put on this bearded
2: ski mask No time